Welcome to Doc to Doc podcast. My name is Abbas Shafi, gastroenterologist. And I'm Rob Hoyer, medical oncologist. This is a podcast about lifestyle medicine, disease prevention, and longevity. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only. It is not medical advice. Please consult your physician for individualized therapies. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode where we're going to be talking about how to prepare for your colonoscopy. We wanted to get started just by uh, highlighting our website, doctordoc.health, and there you can look at all our episodes, ask questions, and make suggestions for fu- future episodes. Also, if you have a second, please uh, feel free to re- leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. We'll kick today's episode off, and this will be mainly me asking questions to Abbas about colonoscopy, and we'll, we'll make this from the patient's perspective. So we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit about what is a colonoscopy, why do you uh, why is it important? And how can you help your doctor to get the best possible results so you don't have to have it repeated? And uh, we'll just kick it off, but talking about uh, what is a colonoscopy and why why is it so important? Uh, thanks, you, Rob. Uh, to uh, do a proper colonoscopy is essential to do an excellent um, prep, and that uh, will, one, increase the vis- visualization of the colon. You can do a better job of uh, doing, if you needed, polypectomy, uh, which is remove uh, a polyp or do sampling, as well as for the patient will decrease the interval um, between their examination as as well. So uh, uh, colonoscopy, it is a flexible uh, scope, which has camera as well as a, um, an area for uh, um, inserting different instrument through it, and uh, will examine the, the, the colon. Uh, to uh, diagnose uh, as well as uh, uh, treat certain disease as well as uh, removing uh, um, potentially polyps that they can become um, uh, cancer. Uh, The colon is the last segment of the uh, digestive tract. So consequently, there's a, is for solidification of the stool and storing the stool. So, so the, the uh, preparation is essential for to do an excellent exam. So could you uh, talk a little bit, Abbas, about the anatomy of the colon and different, the, there's different parts of the colon. Could you describe about how the different parts uh, work and what, what parts do you look at with the colonoscopy specifically? So the colonoscopy, uh, the colon, um, it, it is, as I mentioned, is the last segments of the GI tract. And um, uh, it is a hollow organ. When it's clean, it collapses itself. Um, one from in, a small intestine that we enter to the colon called ileocecal valve. Um, this segment is common people with Crohn's disease. Um, they have uh, the inflammation, so it's essential to get good cleansing to, to look at for that pr- purpose. Then called ascending colon, which is very difficult to clean. This is when the stool uh, goes against the gravity, um, goes up to the liver to or the upper part of the abdomen. Then we go to a transverse colon, which comes across the abdomen, then to descending colon, which goes down um, from the spleen to uh, area called a sigmoid column, which is shaped like an S, and to the rectum and to the anus, and that's where we see the evacuation of the stool. So, uh, so the uh, colon uh, cleansing and uh, preparation for that 
uh, is not as uh, easy as uh, many people they think. So that's essential to get a good uh, plan f- to get the best result. So whenever I speak with patients about colonoscopy, the first thing that I'd say probably 80 to 90% of the time I hear is, oh, the prep, oh, the prep. And uh, I, I, I think it's fair to say it's probably one of the key reasons why a lot of folks don't have the colonoscopy because they're just so um, concerned or scared, I think really is, about the prep, about the need for have to have anesthesia for the colonoscopy, take a day off work. Could you just talk a little bit about about the, the the preparation for the colonoscopy and specifically the prep? How to how can we make this easier? Unfortunately, there's no easy way out. Um, to uh, for past twenty twenty five years or up to thirty years, you have many uh, prep has comes, but essentially, uh, yeah, the more cleaner the colon it is, uh, the better the exam. The technology with anesthesia, I mean, with scopes as well as the better sedation for anesthesia has minimized um, the, the the colonoscopy itself and uh, having a good experience during that time. Many patients today and they feel very comfortable doing that. Is the preparation again is uh, is the essential uh, and uh, and nobody likes uh, prepping for colonoscopy. One you you. You have to uh, fast, and second, you have to go through certain preparation. But however, this is essential, as as you know, the uh, colon cancer um, has prevalence as is increasing younger people, and then um, to, to to prevent it, we need to do um, colonoscopy and remove the uh, the polyps that we can, and also to diagnose the, the the colon cancer. Not only for colon cancer, also for disease such as. In fact, bowel disease, ulcerative colitis, or Crohn's, uh, these are essential to to do have it. And again, the medication for those has has come a long way. So the proper cleansing and preparation for colonoscopy, it is um, an essential part. But there's certain steps you can do to 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 minimize the 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 what's that uh, the the nausea and the vomiting and the abdominal pain for it. Uh, and it's the certain step you have to take, not only the day before many people, they think it actually starts about maybe three to five days before. Interesting. So I, and uh, this is this is news to me, three to five days. That's interesting. I knew, I knew it was a couple, couple, couple days. I didn't know it was that long. Could you describe what someone should do and how to make it better for for their diet for example they, should we change our, our, the diet before colonoscopy yes the the getting great colonoscopies depend number one on the age of the pe- person and their bowel habits as well as what medication they, they take to get that um, the best colonoscopy um, of course you need to talk to to your uh, office of gastroenterologist as well as your primary care physician if you um, have the right indication to do to do a good colonoscopy five days before you should uh, stop uh, any um, blood thinners or common medication that we use called non-steroidals like Motrin, high-dose aspirin, um, as well as um, t- stop taking the iron and the iron because it darkens the colon, it's very tough to clean. We usually um, tell the patient to stay on high-fiber diet. However, it's essential to go on a low-fiber diet before your colonoscopy, um, at least three days, but ideally five days, and certain uh, uh, very um, 
tough fibers such as nuts, um, corn, um, as heavy uh, tighten fibers uh, such okra um, and other type of uh, thing which is very tough to clean uh, to to go on low fiber diet at least three days um, if you are constipated maybe five days uh, other thing that people they do not take if they chew gum and they swallow it which is essential uh, not to do that because uh, uh, the gums uh, are very difficult to, to pass through the colon and if they start to the lens uh, or to the suction portion of that then pretty much you have to take the colon uh, colonoscopy out and cleanse it and may use another scope so so um, as it sounds very easy for the people but for the technical point of view these are very very important um, to do besides that stay in a well hydrated state that make the, uh, the colon well hydrated and be able to have um, a softer stool a few days before then consequently there is less nausea or vomiting or cramping when they start taking the prep in a few days before the colonoscopy as a part of low fiber diet it is very important to avoid fruits especially dried fruits nuts seeds uh, tightly leafy vegetables uh, ideally for three to five days as these are very difficult to clean during the colon preparation yeah, the, the gum was really news to me. I had not heard that before. So that's really interesting. And I, I uh, um, don't swallow gum, but I know some folks who do. So yeah. I'll have to, have to tell them uh, to recommend they don't they stop swallowing their gum. Yeah, chewing gum is, is okay, but it's this one is swallow it. And people that they swallow, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's not too many of the, uh, the patient, but when they do it, it makes the, the exam very much more difficult. And the longer the, the procedure the more problem with complication and the more, of course, uh, uh, what's that, uh, uh, anesthesia. So so the, essentially you want to come with a very nice, clean uh, colon. And the day before the procedure, you have to stay, of course, on a um, clear liquid diet. If you do all the other preparation, these days make it much, much easier. So from the day before, you stay on a clear liquid diet, which is essentially anything that you can see through, um, you can have. The colors are very important not to have um, essentially any red um, jello or red coloring food because uh, when we do colonoscopy, it can uh, mimic blood. Um, purple is the second uh, um, and uh, can cause um, mimics the tissue. However, the, the green or blue or other type of things uh, or clear uh, drinks, those are... Uh, not as a, as a problem and the more hydration they take the better and easier for their um, prep taking what about aspirin do you do you see problems with aspirin does it cause risk of bleeding with the procedure or if their biopsies performed we the low dose aspirin which is 81 milligrams um, it should be okay however the uh, uh, the high dose of uh, aspirin, um, particularly above 325 milligrams, uh, we prefer not to take it about five days before, as, as well as the other two-day anticoagulation that they, we use for um, blood clots, as well as uh, preventing stroke and heart disease. Those are essential, uh, depending on the type they are, the talk to their uh, cardiologist uh, or primary care physician to be able to stop them or um, bridging them with uh, 
uh, inject with such a low uh, as you're familiar to do that so the patient does not um, have a, a blood clot in their legs or their lungs or have a stroke during the preparation as well as during the procedure. So, uh, so as a hematologist, we're very interested in the anticoagulants and Abbas mentioned Lovenox, which is an injectable form of heparin, which we will sometimes use uh, when patients are stopping anticoagulation, uh, going on this medicine called Lovenox or this, this form of heparin, having the, then there's a window where they're off the anticoagulation for maybe 24 to 36 hours, and then the, the anticoagulation is resumed after that. This is all very different uh, with the recent uh, medicines many of you have probably seen on TV with Eliquis and Xarelto and these medicines have a much faster onset. Uh, when you take the medicine, it actually takes effect very quickly, and it but it wears off pretty fast. So we actually can, that's changed how we do the bridging for, for many patients. But as always, talk to your doctor about the specifics of your individual situation. That is correct. So if there becomes a, across a large polyps or a tissue that we have to to resect that will decrease the complication and bleeding so those are essential to you so the more patients prepare the better the outcome and the 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 longer interval for the, the procedure so uh, maybe we can get into the preps the different types of preps and how to take the prep and when to start the prep when to stop uh, for example should we should a patient eat, eat uh, any food the day before? Should they be on a clear, clear liquid diet? Is that, is that better? Definitely. The, uh, the patient should stay on a clear liquid diet the day before and drink plenty of fluid before starting the prep. Um, the more concentrated the prep, the more hydration is essential before. So uh, the traditional uh, uh, colite or go lightly, which is a gallon of preparation, um, it should... Uh, start depend on the time of their colonoscopy on the next day. Majority of the prep written to start around 3 to 4 o'clock in the afternoon, the first dose and the second dose around 7 and 8. That These are mostly for the people. They do not have the, uh, uh, the time to take the day before for their prep, so they stay on a clear liquid diet when they get home. Uh, and it's essential to them to drink plenty of fluid before that. Um, but however, if you have the day off, uh, you can start earlier, and if your procedure is at seven, eight o'clock in the morning, again, you can uh, you can adjust your, your prep um, earlier. So, so the key things the the on almost in all the prep have should be divided in two different doses, and the reason is that because the right colon is very tough to clean. So essentially, when you take say start with go lightly, which is the large volume, and it comes with different names. Nodly, go lightly, they're all the same. The large volumes are just different brands. So when you take that, you take about half of that gallon with your first um, period of the times and you drink a glass every 10 to 15 minutes until half of the, the, the gallon is gone. And depending on the person's bowel habit and the medication they take, you start having bowel movements anywhere from five to ten minutes, sometimes up to three hours later if you're taking narcotics or um, you have a slow uh, transit in your bowel um, and your uh, constipation. So so you you do you do half of the prep and then you allow your body rehydrate for three to four hours um, with clear liquid diet in between the, those intervals, uh, like chicken broths um, or water by itself 
or uh, Pedialyte, um, coconut water for anything that is clear, uh, white grape juice, apple juice. So, so your body has recovered for uh, for this um, period, and then then you should have some bowel movement. Then you start the second uh, half of your prep. Ideally, you want you want this be within you know six to eight hours before your procedure, and that will get a chance to cleanse the right colon. And again, you drink uh, the if it's go lightly, you 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 start. Uh, the glass every uh, uh, 10 to 15 minutes um, until you're completely cleansed. If you follow those directions, chance of getting clean is over 97%. Another very important thing is mobility. When you take your prep, do not sit down on a, uh, in a couch or, or, or a table. It's the more you move about, the less chance of nausea and the faster your colon gets cleansed. But the only time you want to make sure that you don't get dizzy, you don't get lightheaded. If you do, you need to stop, um, drink more electrolytes, uh, hydrate up, um, and uh, that also the, the movement as well as hydration is the key thing to get a good colon cleansing. What about the, the risks of this procedure? Could you describe like what is the risk of uh, bowel perforation or other complications, electrolyte problems? Um... Yes, uh, the, the, with, the, with the prep alone is the nausea, vomiting, and, and causing, you know, retching and all of that. So if you hydrate adequately and, and if you feel bloated, stop the, 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 the drinking and just give you some, sometimes um, those prevent from, from nausea and, and, and vomiting. Um, the colite uh, or the preparation uh, is, is made to, when you drink it, you pass on change of electrolytes is, it is possible, but it's very low. If you drink um, um, chicken broth or or any electrolyte solution that has that that minimizes. However, if you're taking Miralax prep, which is um, over the counter, that has no electrolyte in it. It is very very essential that you uh, take that with some uh, type of electrolyte uh, supplement, whether it's Pedialyte or or Gatorade or or um, coconut water in some countries they use. So, so it's very, very essential that to prevent from cramping and other things if you, if you have uh, taking any of this over-the-counter medication for preparation. And with the, could you describe about the procedure and what are the what are the risks of the procedure itself? Yeah. Well, before we go that, let's let's go to the the second type of the preparation. It's called low volume um, prep, which is uh, which is half of the dose of the uh, essential colite prep. These are half of the dose, and they come in very different preparation: half lightly, um, soup prep, um, uh, clean picks. And these are all different preparations. Again, those are essential to be stay well hydrated and taken at least, you know, each preparation has different recommendation, but take them in two different doses and stay well hydrated. Uh, there is today, there is a um, tablet uh, uh, preparation as well. And this has came and gone several times, but this is the new ones a little better. But the key thing is the more concentrated it is, the more uh, increase of nausea and cramps. So it's essential that you you can do it, but you need to be um, well hydrated. For some individual, which if they have a, um, cardiovascular disease, um, uh, renal disease, or uh, they have a gastric bypass or um, partial obstruction, it's very essential to stick with the go lightly and go a little slower 
uh, through the prep um, so so th so they do not have any adverse effects in, into the the preparation the a good successful prep is within um, two three hours before the procedure you should have nothing but um, yellow clear uh, material like chicken broth or like urine comes out without any particles that will give you a good uh, visualization of the colon and then when you have a good visualization colon the length of your procedure is much much less as well as the accuracy goes high and if the colon is very clean the longer interval if you do it for screening purposes for those people that suffer from chronic constipation it is prudent to increase their water intakes three days before the procedure at least 72 ounces of water per day as well adding 17 grams of Miralax twice a day this will help with their prep and makes the preparation the day before much easier for them so the the risk of the procedure again is have to do with technically how clean you are as well as whether you have any abdominal surgeries as well as with the individual uh, experience of the endoscopist and so the more you do it um, the, 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 the the less risk of the uh, complication the complication is um, commonly uh, uh, they're very rare these days um, but this uh, profession of the bowel which is making a hole um, that can be happen after doing large polypectomy um, but sometimes just trauma from the shaft of the scope bleeding again is dependent on the um, patient age as well as whether they have taken a blood thinner um, and the size of the polyp um, aspiration if they drink um, any liquid within two hours of the procedure um, and they do not tell us and then when they lay down with sedation they can aspirate um, drug reaction to to the um, sedation um, but today the station has mostly used propofol and it is an anti-emetic and is very easy to sleep but there's sometimes patient need to take other type of medications such as narcotic if they have a lot of pain and that can cause increased nausea and the side the reaction to the medication i imagine that you have patients referred to you that probably should not have a screening colonoscopy for example someone who's older, may have multiple medical comorbidities, is on anticoagulants, and has no symptoms whatsoever. Um, could you walk us through how you make a recommendation for a colonoscopy, and when do you not offer this procedure? Yes, um, it is very important for the primary care physician, as, as well as the, the, the patient um, discuss that before even scheduling. The majority of the studies done between age 18 to 75 in adult medicine, uh, commonly at age 75, and then uh, uh, then the screening colonoscopy. Um, if you have three colonoscopy and they've been all nice and clear, then chance of having colon cancer is very low. However, if you have family history of colon cancer or polyps uh, previously, uh, then then you then then if it is individually based, and then you have to look at the cardiovascular disease. Uh, sleep apnea, the patient weight these days is very important, um, the uh, cardiopulmonary disease, kidney disease, these are all play a role. And that's why at that time, if the patient has very high uh, comorbidity, which, is, which has many uh, medical problems, if they have to have it, we prefer to do it in the hospital, which we have backup, or um, not to do it because uh, uh, polyps become a from a small polyp to a cancer, takes somewhere seven to eight if you have uh, no family history. So if the patient cardiovascular, this, it makes them to not to leave uh, five years, 
then essentially you should not be doing that exam. So, but those people with multiple medical problems, they need to discuss their risk benefits with their primary care physician and uh, and then get well evaluated. And again, have the these are the people that the the colon cleansing is not very good and have to go maybe the next day or repeat it. So so essentially, um, between age 18 to 75 is mostly straightforward. But even the younger people, if they have multiple medical problem, they should not go under this uh, this examination. I, I remember when we did our talk about colon cancer, we talked a little bit about different screening techniques for for um, aside from colonoscopy. I remember you had some comments about Cologuard yeah. that you were concerned about the high false positive rate of that of that test. Can you describe some alternatives, including the Cologuard, about when to use them, when are they appropriate? What, what, what do you... So essentially, we, we, we should categorize the people of low risks and high risks. The low risk people, they, they have no symptoms, but we do this for screening purposes. For screening purposes, we have many options using, you know, um, occult blood test or fit with the, if we call it immunoassay, cologuard, um, barium enema, flexosigmoidoscopy with barium enema. So, so these are for the screening low-risk people. If you have high-risk individual, and if they're appropriately clinically, they should go straight for colonoscopy. People with previous colon cancer, polyps, families with colon cancer, um, had previous uh, um, X-ray or radiation to their abdomen. People with osteocolitis or Crohn's, which make them high risk. These people. There's no, if they have to have it done, they need to go straight for colonoscopy, but then be, again, look at their comorbidity, make sure they're, they're fit for the, for the procedure, make sure they're clean. For, for the screening uh, uh, people, those are there, but cologuard should not be done on people with high risks. You see sometimes people that are in some areas, or they had polyps or they have family colon cancer, and they do the cologuard, then it's positive, but they're not fitted for surgery. I tell people, if you're not fitted for surgery, you should not do colonoscopy. So so if you're at high risks for the cardiovascular disease that you cannot take a colon surgery, then colonoscopy is there. Those are the people that should not have cologuard done, or these are high-risk people. They should, you know, if they're fit enough to go for colon surgery, they should be considered colonoscopy or screening uh, method. Great. Um, and that was a really good, great overview. And um, uh, any other comments about us? No, the key things, you know, the, the procedure has technically has come a long way. So so I think the risk of that is very, very low. The sedation has um, become, again, is, is much more pleasant to go to sleep and wake up fresh compared to previous sedation. Um, but for a patient to get a good examination, if they decided to do colonoscopy, they should do their part at least three days before low-fiber diet. And if there are any of those medications, as I mentioned, stop those um, so they will not be um, postponed. For example, iron, if you take iron until the day before, the colon is dark, is very C to small, uh, um, or, or some of the vitamins that containing uh, uh, was that. Uh, Iron. So those are the things to do. Um, if you, if you have some athletic people, they take a lot of non-steroidal. They should be stopped. That increase the bleeding. And uh, we talk about anticoagulation. If they're anticoagulation, definitely they need to see whether they need bridging or not. If they do their 
essential tests and come the the key thing for I tell the patient if you come well hydrated well clean then the 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 chance of complication is very very low and then of course if you're there clean they can go to eight to ten years if they're fair prep which you call it they need to repeat in five years if they're inadequate prep they have to be repeated with it depends on their situation within one year or sooner there so so the people that did dread the the prep they should more pay attention to, to the prep. So a lot of people, they take halves, oh, they had enough, just, and they don't take it. And that, those are the people, they have to go to second prep or they do shorter intervals. So so essentially, if you're planning to do a colonoscopy, do your homework um, and um, do do the um, good preparation and then come to get the, the excellent result uh, for, for the for the for for yourself because it's really as a camera and the colon and and uh, the more prep you are, the easier the procedure, the better outcome it is. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I must say I learned things during this talk that I had no idea. For example, the chewing gum I did not know about, nor the iron. And we, as hematologists, we prescribe a ton of oral iron supplements for individuals with iron deficiency anemia. I did not realize that was such a big deal. And another important thing is if the patient had any previous bowel surgery, you've had hysterectomy or you had a partial coronary resection or has small bowel obstruction or adhesion. This is very important to, to discuss that with their uh, um, provider as well as their uh, gastroenterologist. So uh, so it can be done, done but we choose sometimes uh, um, a pediatric scopes to do the exam for the, the, this individual. So be able to navigate through the adhesions much easier and, the, and the, then the consequently the, the, decrease the risk as well as make more more pleasant for the patient. So these are all essential things that uh, commonly people, they don't think about it, but they're very important. If, if somebody has I mean, history of bowel obstruction, taking, uh, you know, um, tablets um, or they do have the prep is, is, not, is not good. And also if they do not discuss it, so so they will be preferred for better, more sedation as well as choosing the appropriate scope for them. That was really interesting and um Thanks, Abbas, for all your comments. That was really, really um, insightful. And I would highly recommend that anyone who's going to have a colonoscopy listen to this because, as we learned, the quality of the prep can totally change the recommendation for, um, for, for a future screening. For example, if the, colon is, is, if the prep is good, the colon's clean, it can be a 10-year interval between the colonoscopy otherwise it could be five or fewer years even a recommendation to have to go through this again a year later to do because the prep was inadequate and i i see so many patients that have had inadequate preps or partial preps or have to even have two preps back to back which is sounds extremely uncomfortable and not not so it sounds like all this really this pre-care ahead of the starting five days before makes a ton of sense right particularly people that are narcotics or muscle relaxant or have chronic constipation um, these are the people that essentially they need to be um, given two days prep or essentially more and sometimes even we give them mirrorlax a few days before to have head start if they are chronic constipation so then the consequences the day before is much much um, less painful and they get less nausea and as uh, as well as it, to get a better result, because as you see, there, there is a few uh, times that uh, if we don't see the prep and then patient have a, a colon cancer, whether a few months or years later on, and that's mostly 
from inadequate visualization. So, so the better they come, the more better prep, the better result, and the less uh, chance of missing uh, significant polyp or cancer. Yeah, I've seen some of the images of colonoscopies, particularly, particularly with the sessile polyps. They're they're quite flat, and they are even with they are hard to spot, even with a good quality prep. And I know there's different different wavelengths of light you can use to look correct, at the correct. colon and whatnot. But if there's if there's stool there, you're not you can't use any you any of that fancy that. stuff. Doesn't help exactly. And for the larger polyps, it's increased because we use different. Uh, um, electricity or thing to burn it if you need it to or, or use uh, um, APC which is uh, um, plasma organ coagulation so so if they're there we can do many work at the same times and with a better outcome uh, but if it's uh, stool particularly the right side colon that is where the, most of the flat polyps and is the one that toughest to clean that's where you need the second preparation so, so it's essential to get a good cleansing that is that you can do a good exam and be able to to um, to to see the flat polyps or even the larger polyps to be able to take them um, without any uh, risk to the patient, whether it's perforation or bleeding, delayed per, um, bleeding as well. The day of the procedure, after the procedure has been completed, we recommend to start with light diet and gradually increase as tolerated unless it was instructed otherwise by the provider. If there was any sampling done during the procedure, those samples will send to the pathologist for more microscopic diagnosis. The result of this will take anywhere from three to 10 days, depending on the center and their pathology department. Okay, well, thanks everyone for listening. And please, if you have a few minutes, feel free to drop us a review on Apple or Spotify. Check out our website, doctordoc.health. You can send in questions and we'll promptly respond to them. And uh, thanks again. Thank you.